Our cell is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and the private sector. Why not register and join us at the Macromedics User Meeting on the 8th of November at the Novotel Hotel in London Paddington? This will be an incredibly insightful day to listen to talks on the Macromedics mobilisation range from our various ranges of thermoplastics all the way to our all-in-one solutions and SBRT products. Please do get in touch for more information. And finally, as always, do not hesitate to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable account specialists as and when required. We are all from a radiotherapy background and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. If you would like to browse our products, please go to our website at www.osl.uk.com or if you would like to speak to us, please call 01743 462 694. Hi, my name is Laura and I work at Convensis as a Partnerships Manager. Join us at the NHS Oncology Conference on the 6th of June 2023 in Manchester. We'll open the debate on how the NHS is planning to lean on new models of delivery and innovation to help manage the current treatment backlogs and improve outcomes on a national scale. All tickets are free for the NHS to attend. To register for your free ticket, visit convensis.co.uk. Hello everyone and welcome to RadChat, the first multi-award winning therapeutic radiography-led oncology podcast. Uh, so welcome to podcast number 66. So my name is Naman Jokamsen and I'm joined by my fellow host Joe McNamara. Hi everyone. So a big thank you to our last guest, Catherine Neck, who talked about long-term conditions, prehab and rehab. If you haven't had a chance yet, please do go and take a listen. So we're very pleased to introduce our guest for this evening, Darian Laird, who will be discussing the Global Coalition for Radiotherapy. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. So, could you tell us a bit about what you do and how you got there? Of course. Um, So my name is Darian Laird. I am the Director of Communications uh, with the Global Coalition for Radiotherapy. Sometimes we call it the Global Coalition, sometimes we call it the GCR. Um, You may have seen that. I know that RadChat is so great about amplifying some of the information that we're getting out there. Um, So Communications Director, just I'll say a little bit about that just to preface because I know that everyone who listens to this is an expert in the field of radiotherapy. So my expertise is in communications, not in radiotherapy, but I have learned so much in the past year that I've been with the Global Coalition. Um, And my job goes from anything from coordinating our webinars to communicating internally and externally with all of our stakeholders, um, managing social media, our publications getting all our messaging aligned, our vision, working on collaboration. So it's a big job and it's just kind of to make sure that we get this really important work and like the important message about equitable access to radiotherapy out into the world. What got you into this field? Um, so actually my background is in broadcast journalism, so television news. And I just am very passionate about storytelling. I think that every person has a story. I think that there's a lot of really passionate people out there and they have these amazing visions and sometimes they just don't know how to express that all the time. And so I love that I was able to transition from 
you know, my television news and journalism work into working with advocacy groups. And so I work with uh, several nonprofit organizations and help them share their message. And it's been so amazing to work with, you all know, a lot of our co-founders, one of them being Professor Pat Price with Radiotherapy UK. And um, she's just a, has such a big heart and such an amazing passion for this uh, field and for cancer patients in general, for the workforce. And so I, um, yeah, I love that I get to help share that vision and that mission and you know, get it out there in ways like this. And then also, you know, just amplifying everything that she says and all of the people that work with the GCR. But I'll just, I mentioned Pat Price because I know your audience knows her well. Darian, can I ask, had you heard about radiotherapy? Had you had any experiences personally of, of cancer? So this is, I'm really glad you asked this question because um, is there a person in the world who has not had an experience with cancer, really? Um, and how little do we actually understand and know about the types of treatments and the side effects or even just the people that you're going to interact with, right? When you're diagnosed with cancer. And I mean, I had not heard of a therapeutic radiographer before I joined the GCR. Um, but yes, I have uh, family members who have been diagnosed with cancer, who have passed away, who have received radiation therapy treatment. Um, um, and recently, within this past year, actually, like being in this field, and it's been uh, very eye-opening to be able to help communicate even better to my family, um, also just like understand better as, you know, someone who is Cancer affects everyone. It's not, you know, it's obviously so um, impactful for the person who's diagnosed, but it just, it impacts the entire circle around you. So yes, I have um, had experience with this, but I didn't know as much about radiotherapy until now. And I think that's something that's really unique in like the job of the Global Coalition is that people are talking about chemotherapy all the time. People are talking about cancer medicines all the time but radiotherapy kind of does not get the highlight the spotlight that it needs and it's so important it's so vital right it's right alongside this these other cancer treatments and is so essential and life-saving in so many ways so I'm starting to get on my soapbox already <laughs> <laughs> oh, well thank you so much for sharing your personal experience I know it's it's always difficult to kind of talk about people that have died that are close to us but I think it also makes us passionate about wanting to make change and and make people aware of kind of potentially what people go through but also to raise awareness for future cancer patients or their family friends colleagues um you know it does affect one in every two people and even that statistic you know that many people that you talk to will have that experience and I suppose that's part of the work as well um can you tell us then what the global coalition is how did it even start where did it where did it come from um you all know well that there is a cancer care backlog right <laughs> i mean this is something that we're talking about consistently um the global coalition for radiotherapy came because of this huge backlog at the start of covid it was like, okay, where are cancer patients? They're not getting the treatment or the access that they need. 
and these wonderful stakeholders, industry, clinicians, um, advocacy groups came together and said, let us start a global group that's going to work together, that's going to collaborate to make sure that radiotherapy doesn't get lost, that make sure that our patients don't get lost, to make sure that our workforce doesn't get lost. So it started um, really just like a, just a small group, this core group. Um, I came in after they had kind of established themselves a little bit um, and they had basically said, all right, we've talked to the professionals around the world, a lot of strategic advisors and gotten advice on where do we want to position ourselves? What do we, what message do we want to share? Um, so basically in like a small synopsis, the GCR, I'm using, you know, Global Coalition for Radiotherapy, the GCR, it's a virtual multidisciplinary collaborative focused on creating a world where access to quality radiotherapy is universal and equitable. That's our tagline, which basically means it's our mission to spread the word about the need for radiotherapy all over the world to save lives and to help share best practices in radiotherapy. Um, the great thing about the coalition is that there's so many unique individuals that are involved with so many different levels of expertise and coming from you know the radiotherapy workforce in general is just so broad. And so anyone can be a part of it. And I think that that's the great thing is everyone brings their skills to the table that they have. And whether it's, I'm an expert in the UK who knows how to treat this specific type of cancer, or I am a, a patient in Australia who has received treatment and I wanna advocate for patients in this region of the world, anyone can be a part of it because we realize that we have like can learn best practices from one another. So I'd say like some of our values are that we're, we focus on innovation, we focus on being agile, like we are not tied down by, you know, a huge structure. It's really just a lot of individuals and then our industry partners and our stakeholders coming together. We focus on collaboration, a lot of focus on patients and what they actually need. And we'll talk about that a little bit later when we get into some of the projects that we're working on. Um, and then just trying to be disruptive a little bit in the field of radiotherapy. You know, it's been around for a while, but there's like so many cutting edge technology, you know, opportunities that are out there. And we want to take advantage of that. Positive disruption. That's what Joe and I are always called, yes. positive disruptors. <laughs> um, exactly. Obviously, COVID was unprecedented. It was incredible how so many departments came together, including helping kind of uh, like the ones in China. So the radiotherapy ones, I remember right at the start, we were getting emails coming through from the Radiotherapy UK network, just saying, well, this is what they've done to adapt their PPE, how they do getting patients in and out safely, treating patients who are COVID positive, and then eventually finding out patients um, were COVID positive by looking at their CT scans when we're doing lung. Like it, it was amazing how everyone came together. What countries are kind of involved in the global coalition at the moment? We kind of have had like interesting waves actually of who's been involved and it's, um, we've had, you know, there's these big uh, radiotherapy groups like Estro, Astro, Gestro, Mestro. I mean, there's so many all over the world and they've all kind of been a huge part of uh, the GCR, which is really great. We actually just hosted a webinar today where it was 
you know, people from the Philippines, from Southeast Asia, from America, from Canada, from Australia, from Africa, believe me, trying to coordinate times to get us all together is just kind of a nightmare. But that's like, just speaks volumes to how wide reaching, you know, this community is. Um, of course, recently, we've been spending a lot of time focusing on our radiotherapy task force to help support Ukraine. Um, but it's not just Europe that's reaching out to help. There are people from all over the world who are coming together to like support skills, um, support with training, funding. Um, so it's really, uh, it truly is global. I mean, a lot of our stakeholders are focused in Europe, but um, the members, the individual members that are coming and supporting are from all over the world. Sounds amazing. I think there's something that radiotherapy really needs and I know we touched on this before we got into the podcast, but obviously the role of a therapeutic radiographer is so different in kind of everywhere across the world. So sharing that best practice, um, it, it's great. Um, speaking of obviously working together, um, what are some of the projects that you're involved in for bettering radiotherapy? Well, as I mentioned, the Radiotherapy Task Force is a big project that we've taken on this year um, to support Ukraine. So as soon as the war broke out, there was obviously this need for assistance for all the refugees that were going to be leaving Ukraine, also all the displaced people within Ukraine. And it was just amazing that the radiotherapy community said, what can we do to support? And the WHO actually reached out to our group to receive intel um, because that's the beauty of the GCR. It is comprised of so many different collaborative stakeholders that we had industry on the ground who was able to reach out to different hospitals and centers where they were providing equipment and training and just immediately find out what's working, what's functioning, what hospitals, what do they need, um, you know, patient groups that were able to support patient transfers with from, you know, within the country, but then also outside of the country, different charities, supporting funding and awareness. Um, member societies, local radiotherapy groups, you know, how they were able to connect and help with training as well. Um, and GCR just kind of became this place where we could connect everyone to network everyone so that really we were eliminating duplicity, we were streamlining. It just became a very effective way to support cancer patients and recognize that radiotherapy needed to be a solution and an answer for people during this complicated time, especially you know, this was really amazing. I had the opportunity just this last, these last couple of months to interview several hospitals and centers um, in Ukraine. And, you know, with a translator, right, I'm interviewing them in English, they're responding in Ukrainian and sharing just these stories of helping their frontline, you know, workers and helping their, um, their military, right? And in these moments, bringing people into the bunkers and like protecting them, like children in a children's hospital and their families, right? Radiotherapy, the true heroes during this really complicated time. There's, I heard an episode where, Naman, you mentioned that you wish you had windows, but like the bunkers is what is saving these people in Ukraine, right? The radiotherapy community in Ukraine. It's just like so heartwarming um, what this community has been able to do within Ukraine and then also all the people that are on the ground outside um, supporting. So the radiotherapy task force is just like a huge project that we've been working on this year um, and a lot of awareness and education there about what's going on in Ukraine. And we really hope that that spreads to the opportunity to help other communities 
worldwide because this is not the only humanitarian crisis. There are so many around the world. I mean, we talked about COVID, right? There's just people who are not getting access to cancer treatment. Um, even just because there's not equipment, there's not Linux, there's not, you know, there's not equipment all over the world. So um, we hope this is a great model of how we can move forward. So that's one project. Um, also advocacy is a huge pillar to what we do. Um, we have been working on collecting an advocacy toolkit and that we just launched at the beginning of the year. It is available. It's this is a great thing about the GCR too. It's just made available to anyone who wants to access it. And a lot of the work that we highlight there are from expert advocates all over the world. So Radiotherapy UK, which this you know community knows and loves, they have just done such an incredible job of keeping cancer and radiotherapy at the forefront of the political agenda. And so we've taken examples of groups like Radiotherapy UK, other groups in Australia like Targeting Cancer, um, global groups like UICC with their World Cancer Day, and have compiled just a really nice, simple way for people to learn about advocacy and what they can do in their own community. And like we talked about before, learning these best practices. Um, the GCR is obviously working to bring awareness with like in partnership with our stakeholders. So that's the really great thing too, is that there's passionate people all over the world. There's like passionate people like yourselves. There's people, you know, in Africa, we've talked about, there's people in the US who are constantly trying to communicate what's going on. And it's really just nice that through this toolkit, through this network, we're able to bring them together and then help them work alongside each other. Um, Cause you can just learn so much when you collaborate, really. That's what it comes down to. If you're doing it alone, if you're like siloing your work, you're not gonna get very far, but if you're doing it together, you're gonna just really amplify what you're passionate about. Um, and then the last thing that we've been recently compiling is a white paper that we just published on closing the care gap and focusing it on digital transformation. So. That's the really incredible thing about radiotherapy is that it is high tech, but also there's so many ways that we can make it um, accessible to people in terms of like training and we can use technology for remote access and remote training, um, especially for low to middle income countries. So that's another one of our big projects that we're really pushing right now is how can we be a positive disruption in the digital um, in the digital world and like show that we really need to rely on radiotherapy now at this time, especially we, since we've seen, like we talked about with COVID. I mean, there's, there was never, like, it was such a crazy time where we just couldn't even be together and how, you know, we've been able to use technology to like still bring, like you said, people from China to the UK to help with diagnosis or whatever it may be. And um, we've learned a lot of like lessons from that. And now how can we take that and move that forward to get access to cancer patients all over the world? I'm glad you mentioned about the, the task force and kind of the humanitarian element. So it's something I'm obviously very passionate about being born and raised in India is people who can't afford healthcare or education or access to it. But I think the, I, I read the research article in the Lancet, which I think you and uh, Prof Pat Price and somebody else I can't remember the name was involved with, but it just showed. I mean, with the WHO, so the World Health Organization, the statistics that came out of Ukraine, how it can you can really help in a big deal. But obviously, I'm glad that you said that there's other humanitarian 
kind of areas in the world that have issues too so like palestine we had rachel moses come on um incredible person who does a lot of work for palestine but they don't have any radiotherapy equipment at all so patients get to the border and die um with cancer and or they try and pay or smuggle themselves through to get treatment i mean that's obviously something that's been going around for even longer so it'd be great to see this sort of work help them but i suppose how in these areas where maybe the workforce isn't as affluent or able to access the internet how would you get into that kind of area so i'm glad you asked me that question because just today we started with a new initiative it's the resident partners group and we we're able to meet together with a bunch of residents trainees in the workforce and talk about just that question how can we get access to education to um, cancer treatment in these areas that don't have it. Um, we see the radiotherapy task force as kind of this model of what they've been doing in Ukraine and how quickly everyone was able to work together and then think, okay, and if we have someone who is passionate in this region, I think I mentioned earlier that it's just such a global group. We have someone from the Philippines who came and they're getting their training in Los Angeles, California, and their whole goal and mission is to go back to the Philippines and to help get better access to cancer treatment there. And so with the radiotherapy task force, with the GCR, you know, hopefully now with this residence group, we're going to really empower and um, help support and create the network so that this individual resident who's going to California to get her training now can meet with you know, another resident who is out of San Francisco, who has started his own Reos Contra Cancer and is like educating everyone in South America and like see that model. And then how can they take that and go take that back to the Philippines? So um, it's really just, it's so inspiring and incredible to be privy to like all of these amazing, passionate people who have that same desire as you. Like, I want to take this back to where I'm from or like really um be able to give access because no one should be walking to a border and dying at the border trying to get access to cancer care no one should be it's already hard enough to be diagnosed like we should be doing everything that we can to get access to treatment to these individuals and we do actually see it through um higher education institutes where we have lots of international applications for courses and again sometimes that's a real barrier because education doesn't facilitate them to be able to access the education here in the UK but the reason they're doing it is to essentially train here and then take that knowledge skill um, back to their country to then hopefully try and implement so there's so many things that we could do better um, and help and support a global initiative um, in ensuring you know adequate access to radiotherapy services um I'm really I'm really keen to ask a question how are you funding all this because is it a charity where do you get your money from because you know there's there's no money when it comes to healthcare unless you're in America so where where is all this money coming from because not that I want any but it's just it's interesting to me that what you're doing sounds amazing but that's not cheap work so this is something that I know that the entire uh, coalition is very proud of, is that, yes, there is some funding, but it's not a lot. In fact, that's something that we're talking about right now is where do we continue to get the funding so that we can keep doing this work? We really just have so many passionate volunteers who are coming together. It is a lot of people who are saying, I'm going to dedicate this amount of time and 
just make it happen. Um, yeah, we, there isn't a lot of money out there, especially in this, you know, in this community, but we do have like some great industry stakeholders who have said, this is important and we want to be at back this and support this. And so, you know, a huge thanks to those stakeholders who are such a big part of it. And I think that's, this is what's really amazing to me too, is when I came in, a lot of my background was in tech, like the Google, Microsofts of the world. And when I came in and when Ukraine, when the war exploded and everyone was like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Do we need to pull our clinicians out of this area? Do we need to pull our service, you know, um, team members out of there? Instead, they were like, let's work together. Let's come together. Let's share like propriety information with one another so that we can support the radiotherapy centers, the hospitals in Ukraine. Um, so there's a lot of, um, let's just put competition to the side and let's do what's best for the patients. Let's do what's best for the workforce. Um, so not only is like industry helping fund this, but also they just are putting so much to the side and uh, kind of sacrificing a lot to just make sure that the patients come first, that, um, you know, the actual doctors, clinicians, workforce that's making this, you know, these treatments available come first. So it's, yeah, it's a hard question because, yeah, where, where does the funding come from? Where, where do we, <laughs> it's, it's not really there. <laughs> and, and it's often the case, isn't it? But how amazing is that, that it is successful because people are dedicating their time um, and energy to something that they're, um, you know, really invested in. And I suppose that's where the advocacy work comes into play, doesn't it? You know, the fact that you're creating resources shows that there is passion within the workforce working within oncology to go out there and really spread the word about radiotherapy. Um, and that it's almost everyone's responsibility. Um, I know I've always kind of had that ethos where you know, you're doing a day-to-day -day job and I know everyone's busy, but it doesn't take a lot to talk to friends or family about what you do. I've been at parties with friends before and someone's asked them, oh, what do you do? And they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just a radiographer. And I'm always like, please don't use the term just in front of it. And, you know, what kind of radiographer? Follow it up with, well, what does a, what does a therapeutic radiographer do? And I think it's that, sometimes that's just the small little bit of advocacy that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis um versus what some people are doing which is essentially going and working in other countries and promoting you know radiotherapy and setting up services and things like that so i think sometimes when people heard hear the word advocacy they kind of get a bit scared going oh is that something to do with political movements it it doesn't have to be does it it can be as little as just telling people correctly what it is that they do that is so spot on. And I just love that you said that because I feel like that kind of goes back full circle to why I love what I do. Because every single person has a story. Every single person can be, yes, can learn how to share, you know, appropriately what they do, what they stand for, why they're passionate about what they do, what inspired them to do what they do. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but you can just say, this is who I am. This is like my vision for my field. This is why I want to pursue this. And like you said, yeah, share with someone at a party 
Or if you're doing something incredible and amazing, it's also wonderful to learn how to, you know, email a colleague about it, you know, and to be able to tell them and say, are you interested in doing this with me? And, you know, all of a sudden, like those small connections can really grow into something that can be so collaborative and so powerful, even if it's just in like your own hospital, your own center or your own community. Um, I think that that's something that we hope as a GCR that we can inspire people to not say, oh, I have to go and, you know, I love that Radiotherapy UK to put the big map on the front lawn, you know, at Parliament and they're, you know, out there signposting and that's incredible advocacy work and it just is setting such a great stage for um, keeping this at the forefront of the political agenda, but also in our own individual communities when we say, hey, this is important, we need to raise some money to get and equipment into our facility. Let's do this together. Let's hold a 5K. Let's do, you know, simple things or even just like send some emails to some of our friends and family who might be able to help fund this. Um, yeah, we can start small and small things make a huge impact when it comes to the patients that we're treating, when it comes to their families, when it comes to your fellow colleagues. Um, that like, you don't have to change an entire country's political strategy, but like if you're changing the lives of an individual and their family, that is the most important work that you can do in this field. I suppose with RTU, Radiotherapy UK, obviously some of the advocacy work um, is very special in the way you can email your member of parliament to try and put some pressure on them. Most often you'll get a very standard response which is just the same sentences jumbled around in different constituents, but some of them do actually care. Some of them, there are a few MPs, um, I can't remember his full name, but Graham, he followed me back on Twitter. Um, <laughs> he's a very important person, but he's always up, always one of the first people to talk about it because until it's not at the forefront of everyone's mind, radiotherapy doesn't, it's not sexy. Chemotherapy is, there's more money in it. That's That's what I think, we've always found doing advocacy work so like being a stem ambassador going to schools they say oh well don't patients just have chemotherapy no actually some patients might never have chemotherapy but will definitely have radiotherapy there's so many different things it can be used for i suppose from the political element for gcr don't want to get into it too much obviously but how do you navigate it across different countries because healthcare is so different especially across europe um, and obviously compared to us that's a complicated question. Honestly, it's very hard because yes, you have to have experts in country who really understand um, the political needs and the political um, environment. And so it's, a, I mean, there's a lot that you can glean from other charities, other organizations, but then there's also some that you just have to go in and do the work and to dig in and to find the information. And so that's even part of our toolkit is like, this is not something that's going to be a one size fits all for every single country or every single community. Um, like you mentioned, right? There's more <laughs> access to money in the US when it comes to healthcare. Um, there's different people that you're gonna have to lobby and try to get to you know, follow your campaign. Um, but once you know what you wanna do and once you have like the vision for your region, then the goal is that the GCR can help support the research that needs to be done. Or maybe it's just connecting to a PR firm that can help with that if there's the funding for that. Um, because there are experts within each country that can give you that 
you know, element. It's hard though. It really is a complicated question because there are places in the world that there's corruption and, you know, like, trying to work with a functioning government is going to be very complicated. And so it will be important that we have these industry stakeholders who maybe can come in from a corporate level and can support. So there's definitely a big future for where the GCR can go, but there will be a lot of hurdles and barriers along the way as we try to integrate into different areas of the world and try to support getting access to radiotherapy there. It sounds like networking is actually really integral to the work that the coalition do you know having contacts in the right places I would imagine stops you having to spend hours trailing through lots of emails and and kind of documents to find out who is the best person to contact how as someone who specializes in communication do you do that how do you effectively network because people always joke that the only reason I'm on a podcast with Numan is because he wanted my address book um and that he wanted access to all of my very important radiotherapy I could argue that they're now in my contact (laughs) list as well now and now I've got even more than you (laughs) we're we're very competitive with each other (laughs) (laughs) no you're half of your face is in the logo I can't get rid of you but Darian is it is really interesting because Anyone who is maybe trying to do advocacy or or even smaller, if you're in your own department and you're trying to implement something, how is, has someone who's got specialist knowledge in communications, do you engage someone? Because I live with someone who's communications and marketing and I ask him this all the time. How do you change culture and how do you essentially get that engagement and communication dissemination within your teams, within your networks? Because it's it's not easy, is it? It it really isn't. It's not at all. I think I think though owning who you are, owning what you stand for and what you're like being able to almost this is something that we did um with the GCR when I first came on is like kind of understanding what was our vision, what was our mission and how and even now, you know, a year later, we're talking about strategy again and what it will look like for a year from now. I think you can do that individually, like personally. What is your mission? What's your vision? How are you going to take that up, like make that happen? What's the strategy behind it? It could be, you know, a strategy for the next week. It could be a strategy for the next year. You know, is it you're wanting to interact more with your colleagues to accomplish something in the in your workplace? Is it that you want to reach out to a colleague to start a podcast because you want to get into their address book. (laughs) What, you know, what is, what's your future mission? And then I think really just owning, owning that and being able to share that with someone is really powerful. So there's so many tools out there, which are incredible. I love LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. (laughs) I think it's a really great tool because it's kind of, Everyone knows that it's a professional landscape anyways. And so you can go in and you can say, hey, this is me. These are the people that I'm working with. I noticed that you also are interested in X, Y, and Z. Let's find a time to chat. This is a really great way to just open the door. You don't have to necessarily want to take something from someone or need something from someone, but just like being curious about someone and what they do. And maybe, you know, maybe they're an advocacy expert in you know your specific field and you really want to learn more from them 
people love sharing things about themselves. People love sharing things about what they're passionate about. So just being curious can be really helpful. You can use excellent tools like Twitter, you know, just connecting with people. And it's almost like, I know this is silly. This is the first time that we've met, but I feel like I know you both because I've listened to your podcast. I've followed you on social media and it's very natural for me to have a conversation with you. And I think that that, you know, starting engagement that way with other people, social media is just a really great tool. I think also, um, it's not, <laughs> you don't, everyone doesn't have to be, and we already talked about this, but everyone doesn't have to be like a, I'm going to go, you know, stand on the soapbox and shout from the rooftops what I feel. You can be yourself. You can be, maybe you're a little bit more reserved. Maybe you um, are an excellent, you know, strategist and you have really great skills in that regard and you want to just put everything down on paper and you want to share it with a friend or a colleague who will be the speaker of the, you know, in that relationship, that's okay too. Like it doesn't have to be that you're, you know, shouting from the rooftops. You can also take, think about who you are. Like I said, own your own skills and then see how you can connect with other people who can be a little bit of a balance too for you. So basically stalk someone on social media, get to know them like that, (laughs) get their address book off them, and then you'll be brilliant. (laughs) That's what I heard from that. goodness I'm giving bad advice but no it really I I, we live in a really we live in a global world and I just I really you know even just individually and personally I really love to um I want to empower people to know that like if you have something that you want to go after you can do it you really like there's and if you don't feel like you have the tools there's people around you who will help you see that you have the tools too And we we often do get um, international colleagues contacting us on social media and exactly that. It's great if if you're not able to help, then it is directing or referring them to the coalition or to resources that you know exist or people that you know are interested in exactly the same thing. And I honestly think that sometimes it's that ability to know who to refer people on to that can be really useful um, and support people and bring people together. But exactly what you said is what we often see when we're doing any collaborative pro- projects. Essentially having lots of different skills creates the perfect environment to a successful project. If everyone wants to be the lead and the spokesperson, it's never going to work, is it? So actually creating a really nice dynamic team will help you essentially and develop what it is whatever it is that you're maybe setting out to achieve. Can I, is it okay if I ask you both a question? Oh yeah, no, we love it. <laughs> I'm just curious, what uh, what are like the projects that you see people wanting to focus on in the UK in terms of advocacy? Like what would be something like on the ground workforce would say, hey, Joe, Naman, what can I do to like be an advocate in my community well there's lots of areas of practice that I think people are passionate about wanting to change but I think one thing that comes up time and time again is the postcode lottery and the inequalities across radiotherapy provision within the UK and we see that firsthand from patients who contact us through social media channels essentially saying 
you know, I, I don't want tattoos and I'd quite like to have surface guided radiotherapy, but my department doesn't have the equipment. You know, what what do I do? How do I how do I navigate that? Um, you'll get other patients who've heard of um, a variety of treatments, whether that's gamma knife, proton therapy, and maybe their oncologist hasn't got the knowledge or skills in that field and then maybe doesn't have the confidence to refer that patient. And sometimes I think it's the patients and them being autonomous and educated enough to be able to kind of go to their oncologist and say, actually, I've found this information out. Can I get a second opinion? Um, and that's really challenging, isn't it? Because, you know, everyone is working so hard, so, so hard. But we know that there are some things that are limiting what you can offer patients. And you know that the waiting lists for a treatment like proton therapy are going to be longer. So you're constantly in your head weighing it up. But do you do you always tell the patient that? Maybe not. And, and sometimes I think those inequities in the services that are provided aren't always transparent. And I think, you know, how much radiotherapy costs compared to some of the other cancer treatments, it would be really easy for us to get equitable care within the UK and save thousands upon thousands of cancer lives um, with a small investment. And I know that's something that Radiotherapy UK keeps saying, but when you're looking at the overall workforce for nursing, the overall workforce for diagnostic radiography, it is massive. And actually, I can understand why the government need to focus on those areas. But with a small investment, they could sort out the radiotherapy workforce crisis. And it is a crisis. It is absolutely fundamentally a crisis. We've got an 8% vacancy rate at the moment. We also know categorically that um, Cancer Research UK have already said 40 plus percent we have to increase by 2023 well it's not it's not going to happen is it and we know that attrition is also increasing we've got an aging workforce I could go on and on um but essentially because those issues exist putting more investment into radiotherapy for workforce and equipment could change people's lives really quickly and for not much investment I think the interesting thing just to pick up from the workforce side even before you get to patient care obviously we'll never have a job without a patient but patients won't have treatment without us we're the only profession that can legally give radiation i mean my role as a treatment review radiographer i can do things nurses can do i can do things doctors can do our profession is very special we could go and be a diagnostic radiographer if we wanted to um just because it's transferable skills and there's so many things we can go into but i mean working on the ground everyone's tired we have the highest sickness rates across the country I mean, everyone in the NHS does, but people are just, it's not that they don't want to come in to help people, it's just they're just tired of coming in every day. So knowing then as well, I think now the, the starting salary for a band five, uh, anyway, any profession in the NHS, it's a, just under the same amount as what someone in the supermarket Audi gets paid. So it's £13 an hour minimum in Audi to take home nhs salary starting is about 10 pound 50 that's not nice for a new person coming into the profession it doesn't take much to increase it if audi can do it why can't we do it but by increasing that tiny bit of funding knowing that some of my colleagues and joe even you know some people that aren't having to go to a food bank or skipping meals at work or waiting for the chocolates because that's that'll be their meal for the day that will mean that patient care isn't affected because 
yeah there's more time to do continual professional development so you can make sure that the side effects for that patient is always going to be covered everyone's going to be more motivated to be there so less mistakes are made it just it goes round and round and round but i know this is a challenge everywhere then obviously the next bit you know with all these challenges is patient care i mean we're doing everything we can to look after our patients despite not having many staff or staff being off sick or machines breaking down you know all all these different external factors that we can't account for as healthcare professionals we're doing everything we can you know forget the political side the funding and lack of staff and vacancies and sickness etc but we are doing everything we can in every department but i mean you know we'll, we'll see patients coming in for radiotherapy and they've not had any physiotherapy input for example prior to their treatment so the mobility is not great means that actually they struggle through treatment because they have more pain problems but that's something that could have been sorted out before or they're coming to us and they haven't seen an occupational therapist to make sure that their home has been sort of altered and they've got all the support they need or then the clinical nurse specialists or they're they're the overarching care bearer they might care like coordinator if you want sorry for their treatment they might not have time to catch up with every single patient i mean there are hundreds of patients that will be known to maybe one cns clinical nurse specialist so all of these little things if they're not tying up because there's not enough staff in those areas or there's not enough coordination or you know just not enough time or money that means that when they come to us in radiotherapy you know someone like me in review i'm managing that which i don't mind i love it it's a great challenge and i've learned so much in the past two years uh, well just under two years of being in this role but it's a lot for us to do in radiotherapy so that link up between departments just isn't quite there and i think that's quite sad at the minute because you're almost stuck you can't necessarily always refer on or you know you're chasing people to do something but they just haven't got the time so then well if i take it on then i can just sort it out but then that means okay but i'm gonna have to stay another hour late to do that um and we don't get paid overtime we sometimes get some time back in in loose or toil but that's about it um so all of this is you know everything goes hand in hand and i think we're, we're doing so much and everything that we possibly can to help but there's just a lot going on really um so yeah and darren do you wish you hadn't asked us this question now <laughs> i feel like we've taken up your episode no i <laughs> no i love that i asked this question it's so like i said in the beginning before we started you are my educators in this field. And I've just been, I've loved listening to your podcast and learning from all the experts that you interview. And in fact, today during our resident was webinar, um, our chair who's, you know, organizing, also a volunteer organizing this group, um, Kira McComas, she is in the US at Vanderbilt University. She said, and I'm gonna actually just read it to you because she said, we must advocate for our field and learn how to tackle policy issues especially as a trainees for it is the field we will inherit. And that's the thing, like this workforce, like what you're doing is just so incredible. The advocacy work you're doing with this podcast, because the workforce will feel like I'm just heartbroken that that's what's happening, that there's people who are just waiting for the chocolate at the end of the day, knowing that that's going to be their meal. But there is power in hearing from people like yourselves and knowing that, that there's passionate individuals who are saying we can and we will make sure that our workforce is treated better, our patients get the better treatment that they need, we get the equipment that we need, we get the supplies that we need. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that is why we have the Global Coalition. That is why, because we hear about 
experiences like this, individuals like yourselves, and we say, okay, we have passionate people all over the world. Let's get them together and let's make this happen. Yeah, sorry. I feel like we took up a bit of the time of your episode there. <laughs> it's something we're very passionate about. No, I love it. I yeah, absolutely um, love it. It is difficult. I think I can speak for a lot of people on the floor. It's tiring, but a few of us, a lot of us, we're trying the best we can for our patients, but it's, yeah, it's tough. Anyway, I think we've talked for quite a lot, Joe and I. So coming back to you, <laughs> you've given us some amazing top tips and I think you're so passionate just about the role, but radiotherapy was something you didn't really know about anyway, but you see the power, which is great for us on a global like perspective and scale. But what sort of top tips would you give anyone listening? Anything extra? Hmm. Okay. Well, we've talked about a little bit about like knowing your vision and sharing your vision um, and like understanding what your passion is. Um, so I'd say that that's a big thing. Like if you're passionate about what you do, then take the time to like find your platform and share it. Uh, whether that is just with a colleague, like we talked about a friend or, you know, accessing like your professional network. Um, don't be afraid to like make a difference in your community and beyond and you can do that in small and simple ways but you can also do that by doing things like sharing the podcast right share it with other people around you also just taking joining one of our webinars come and see what the global coalition is all about and see maybe where you could connect with someone this is the really great thing is like even though we look at like I look at the global coalition and like, oh, it's this big entity, right? <laughs> That's like global. But really what's happening under all of the like the behind the scenes is like in our webinars, there's chats going on and people are connecting and like, oh, I'm doing this or I work in this field or I'm this expert and they're connecting and sharing emails and then going off and like working on their projects that they're passionate about. So I think there's a lot of stuff that you can do like behind the scenes as well. Um, my other, uh, my other like tip that I wanted to share is there's like so much work being done in our communities, large, like large communities and small, you know, to advocate for patients and workforce. And I really think that it is important that we promote those good things. Sometimes we think, oh, we shouldn't share because we're just doing it because we are doctors or radiographers. We are, you know, this is our job is to take care of patients and to take care of our colleagues. But I think it's okay to share the good things and to amplify that because I think that can inspire other people to also do good or even to just connect and say, I want to learn from you and learn what you're doing. So don't be afraid to share the good that you're doing in your community. Such a good top tip. And I would also say on a practical level, step outside of the radiotherapy department because actually your peers and colleagues probably know how amazing you are, how, the, how amazing the workforce are. But bite the bullet, go and go and spend the day with the chief exec of your trust, write to them, say, I'm really passionate about ensuring you know what a therapeutic radiographer does. What is the worst that is going to happen? They're not going to sack you. They, they might say, please don't email me. I'm far too busy. Um, but actually, I think even the fact that you know that um, they'll have to respond to you and then have read that you're a therapeutic radiographer, they might think, oh, I don't even know what a therapeutic radiographer is and they might Google it. And so it's those tiny little things that can potentially make a difference. And um, I know I know, I bleat on about this all the time, but 
just taking the opportunity to say that you're a therapeutic radiographer and what you actually do to anyone that will listen um, and seek out opportunities to do that. See where there are department board meetings, see where there are oncology meetings that maybe there isn't a seat at the table for a therapeutic radiographer. Ask, actually, can I sit in? You don't even necessarily have to be active in that meeting, but observing and I know it's challenging with the workforce because, you know, you're going to have to ask for time out of the department. But what are the consequences of that? Could that potentially have a really positive impact on your department, the recognition and networking and creating opportunities for more collaborative work? I also like I love that suggestion so much. And I think, too, you can actually go to the people beyond just the you know executive level. Go to your PR department as well. If you have a really great story to tell in, you know, the work you're doing, maybe it's a patient who's willing to share their story. Maybe it's some experience that you've had. Maybe you've, you know, hosted an event or you went and supported an advocacy, you know, campaign and you share that with your PR department. They're looking for stories all the time, you know, be that story. And then they'll all of a sudden your hospital will be like, oh, wow, we have this amazing therapeutic radiographer who's out there doing these amazing things with the, you know, on a political level and they want to shout it from the rooftops too. So um, yeah, share your stories with the people who will get that message out. Really, really good top tips. And I think again, just for our listeners, if you didn't hear it, it was follow someone really important with a big address book. Is that right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Also a good tip. So I've been following this advice. I did it with Joe. Here we go. (laughs) but no thank you so much for coming on Darren it's been it's been incredible it's really nice to hear about all this advocacy work just everything that global coalition for radiotherapy are doing thank you all for listening to our chat your hosts today have been Naman Jokranson and Joe McNamara um, if you're utilizing this podcast for CPT purposes consider the reflective questions posted along with the links to resources and literature we've discussed um, to receive your credited CPT certificate please complete the google form linked to the podcast uh, so our next guest to feature will be Dr Elsa van Kerderen who will be talking about physics behind proton therapy, along with the innovative solution for sustainable proton therapy. Um, So thank you very much for listening and take care.